chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions Podcast, and we are on our football season schedule now. Every Wednesday, you can expect this podcast to drop across all those podcast networks that you love so much, and also at GoPowerCat.com. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, and Ryan Gills-Gilbert with another edition of the podcast that continues to be sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop into the fridge each and every time you come to town, and if Jerome Tang has his way, you'll be coming all the time. You got to come for football. You got to come for basketball. Well, that's all he really asked for, but you probably should show up for volleyball because that's going to be amazing, and apparently they're selling out too, which is incredible. Uh, Let's see what else. Baseball, the, the softball program. Your obsessions. I know, man. I think we should have softball. What are you doing over there? Don't clear your throat. Come come to this podcast, this Cats and Dogs studio. Clear throated. (laughs) Clear throated and clear minded, which ain't going to happen with you. Did I say everyone's name? Clear throats, clear hearts, can't lose. Is that what? Clear clear something. Beats me. I don't know. This is how it works. Throats, we got, hearts, that's a healthy body. <laughs> we got a lot of new <laughs> listeners, a lot of new subscribers that maybe were listeners before. We've grown like crazy. The past year, we were the fastest growing 24-7 site. So we appreciate all of your support. Our YouTube site has gone over 10K, which I would have thought was impossible a few years ago. We got there very quickly, and I'm blown away by everyone's support of what we're doing, and I feel like we're in a good groove, and despite that, we're going to continue this podcast. I, yeah, This podcast is kind of a you know one that just breaks up your week. I don't know, but here's how it works. Our subscribers get to ask these questions. It goes with the subscription. Our questions all come from Wabash Station, our VIPs over there. And then everyone gets to hear the answers. And we don't do much recruiting on here. We will do recruiting-specific shows when needed and even ones that might be behind our paywall by doing video podcasts that we can block off. Does that make sense, Zach? Did that come out right? I guess. I don't know. Let's get going with your questions from Wabash Station. Ryan Gills Gilbert's going to do the reading, and we know one thing about Gills. Uh, He makes a good margarita. That's it. That's all we know about Gills. When it comes to reading, eh, ask him to make a margarita. I don't make any Pacificos anymore, Fitz. What the? Don't blame me. 
It's the cartels. It's cartels. Pacifico is currently having... And Modelo, too. Can't get that either. Yeah, they're the same processing plant, I think. I don't know. Because this went on during the pandemic, too. I'm sorry. I'm out of the loop here. Pacifico is currently not on tap at his employer anymore because there's no kegs. They have not... They're not doing kegs right now. They do have bottles. But because of the cartel... I don't that, know. Oh, that's his design. Oh, I don't oh, know. Maybe. I don't know. I thought there was some juicy bit of world news there. Now, I want to point something out here that I decided I'm going to call this the Cats and Dogs Studio because uh, it's about the Wildcats and my dogs are in here. And Daphne just torched <laughs> the entire – she napalmed the room just now. It is awful. <laughs> Do you need to go outside? Oh, my gosh. Gills, you can read these questions through your T-shirt. Okay. First question is from Cat in Colorado. It's so horrible. (laughs) First, I thought someone burped. (laughs) Okay. First question. Cat in Colorado wants to know, the schedule after the bye week is a load. So being 4-0 at uh, at the bye week before the gauntlet of playing at Oklahoma State, at Texas Tech, and TCU at home will be critical for a successful 2023 How would you rank the difficulty, easiest to hardest, of those first four games, which are Southeast Missouri State, Troy, at Mizzou, and UCF? We just did some content on the site about what our high side of the record, low side of the record, and what what was how we phrased it, but whatever we think is the linchpin. And I think it's – I do think it's that early part of the season. I'm trying to get the schedule open because my memory is crap nowadays. Um, For me, it is the early part of the season. Even though that's not the most challenging part of the season, I feel like there's enough um, trouble in that early stretch. Troy, well, let's be honest here. SEMO's pretty good this year. They're they're considered a, a playoff team at the FCS level. But Troy, going to Missouri for a revenge game, uh, they might be really cooked up for that game, or they could be coached by Eli Drinkowitz and, and not play well. Um, UCF, first Big 12 game. I mean, coming into Manhattan, that game's going to have a lot of meaning for them. And then you go play, you get an off week, but then you go play a Friday night game, which could be amazing atmosphere in Stillwater. So those five uh, guys, you could be three and two coming out of that, two and three coming out of that if you really struggle. And then you get Tech and TCU and you get Houston and Texas. And it just it just turns up the pressure there so much. If you're off to a bad start, it could just snowball. Yeah, that's I think I put when we did our staff predictions of, you know, ceilings and floors. I think initially I was going to go six and six, but I looked at that first four game stretch and I think I adjusted it to five and seven just because I think you beat SEMO. I think if we're going to rank these games, that's number one on the list. But you get to Troy in week two. If you lose to Troy, I don't want to say that derails your season because it's the second game of the year. But you really need that win because of what lies ahead in October. Yeah. Those three games in October, you have a bye week after UCF. I mean, if you go into the bye week and you've lost two games, you're kind of reeling there. You've got to figure it out. And (laughs) figuring it out on a Friday night at Oklahoma State (laughs) is not exactly the place I want to be if I have questions about this football team. So I think you got to beat Troy. That's easily the hardest. So SEMO's the easiest. Troy's the hardest. I'll probably go at Mizzou as the second hardest. 
just because it's a road game. They played last year. Obviously, hopefully Mizzou is more motivated than they seemed like they wanted to play last year. They thought they were going to roll. They really did. They came in, we're SEC, and you're little big club. The last, what, 10 seconds of that game was outscored. Mizzou outscored K-State, right? Yeah. Actually, that was the last zero (laughs) seconds, wasn't it? Or last four seconds? Yeah, I thought it was the last play. Was it an untimed play? I thought it was untimed, right? Yeah, I think there was a penalty and it was an untimed play. That game rained very hard, right? Was yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why Missouri Tigers don't do well in the rain, apparently, mm. is what the excuse was. But in fairness, K-State got up, and then it started to rain. Missouri had to throw in the rain, take some more chances. Their quarterback play sucked, particularly in the rain. So they can blame the rain a little bit. They did score their touchdown in the rain, though. I believe the game, it was still raining at the end of the game. Yes. They found a way to overcome the elements in their coaching to score a touchdown. Screw them. I hope hope K-State beats the living snot out of that program. I'll put UCF as second easiest and third hardest. It's the same. That's second easiest. Yes, out of four. Yes, Yes, out of four. That is the same. See, I think Troy will be tough, and we'll save this thought for the next question but you know as far as the team being tough to play against yeah absolutely Troy's going to be tough but K-State's you know preparedness for that game and not overlooking a team like Troy like Tulane last season I don't know if it's necessarily going to be like the quote-unquote hardest game to win for K-State like you said Zach maybe not the hardest but definitely the most important sure I think you can well outside of SEMO I mean, if well, you and Mizzou, you want to yeah. beat the road old rival. Right, you mm-hmm. want to beat Mizzou, but if you lose to Mizzou, not the end of the world. Yeah. If you lose to UCF, tough, not the end of the world. You beat, you lose to Troy, you still have to go and play Mizzou and UCF. You need to set yourself up for success and get, you know, you know, get on a little win train here. If you you go into Mizzou on a zero game winning streak, and oh, you know, hoping to win there. You know, obviously that becomes the next most important game. But if you beat Troy, you know, I think that you've got enough momentum. If you see a hard game on your schedule, I don't think it's going to be that hard. That's how I see it. If you lose to Troy, I think every game just becomes that much more harder because you have so many questions about yourself. Troy's good. Troy's really good. This has not been a good scheduling for K-State. From Gobster... Welcome to the website. This is your first post. Appreciate you subscribing. Gob's first month here. Gob. There we go. Is Troy going to be this season's Tulane? The difference is we can see this one coming. Yeah. You remember Tulane was coming off a bad season. They had one of those seasons that everything went wrong. And I'm going to pat myself on the back, but I kept saying that entire week, this team is good. Don't be fooled by it. And I don't think K-State was overlooking them, but I do think maybe the game plan was a little bit too conservative. And then they got in a hole and uh, Tulane was kind of dictating the game at that point. And they couldn't get out of it. I They see Troy coming. They're not sneaking up on anyone. This team's really good. This team's probably mid-level Big 12 good. Uh, you know, I... I think so much is made about Power 5 and non-Power 5. Look, there's a lot of non-Power 5 schools that can compete, not on a year-in, year-out basis, but you know, when they get a good mix of kids for a couple of years like Troy is, they can compete at pretty high levels. 
And that's where they're at. And this is going to be, let's put it this way. They win this game. Even though it's not a Power 5 game, it'll look good on the resume if that even matters. Troy's getting an invite to the Big 12, you're saying? Well, they win. either the university or just some guy named Troy, <laughs> that, which would be odd to invite a guy just without a school. But it's possible. I think Troy is this season's Tulane in the sense that they're the hardest non-conference opponent, I think. You look at Mizzou, I think K-State has no reason not to be confident going to Mizzou. So I think the parallels between uh, Troy was a good football team last year. It wasn't like Tulane, you know, where they came off the bad year and then they were a good football team and make, you know, make and win the Cotton Bowl last year. But to Troy, I think they were ranked and they played UTSA in the Cure Bowl. Is that right? Yeah, I don't remember. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was one of the only ranked bowl games outside of the New Year's six or whatever. It was one of the few ones especially between two group of five teams. So they're a good team, but you see it coming, you know, like you said, K-State knows that Troy's good. But I think that now that K-State knows that Troy is good, I think that you're not going to see the overlooking or the distractions like you saw against Tulane. Against Tulane last year, K-State was at a point where I don't know if the coaching staff really felt comfortable with Adrian Martinez and maybe his confidence and what they wanted him to do let alone the fact that, like you mentioned, Fitz, maybe hiding the playbook a little bit for your you know, Big 12 opponents that are to come. I think Will Howard, it goes without saying right now, is very confident. The staff is confident in him. He's never had a bad recent history of turnovers and making questionable decisions with the ball. So I don't think this will be a two-lane game like we saw last year at all. Just because, you know, K-State, like we said, is going to be just far more ready. The playbook's going to be opened up. They're not going to take... Troy Lightly, Will Howard is, is ready to go. He's confident, and the coaching staff shares that same opinion. And it's just funny with Martinez that what he did at Nebraska was the exact opposite at K-State, and that's ultimately what lost them that two-lane game. Yes. You agree? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Good. That's all I need in life. Really? Validation. That's sad. It Team BB wants to know, it was Malik Knowles, who scored a touchdown at numero uno last year? Who will that be this year, and how will it happen? I'm pretty sure last year I said Philip Books. Philip Brooks. Books. Philip will book 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 with a touchdown. Philip Brooks Sounds punt like a return article here. Mm-hmm. Punt return touchdown. Sema will have the ball twice before Will Howard touches the ball. There we go. With Seth a, Porter with a the seven nothing lead. Out. Seth Porter, the number four wideout, gets a ninety nine yard bomb. A ninety nine yard bomb. You to probably Seth don't want to go with Seth Porter and <laughs> as a touchdown in week one. Um, I th- not the I first, not be... the first one, but a touchdown in week one. Absolutely, absolutely a touchdown in week one. Mm. Yeah, I think Will Howard gets a one yard uh, QB sneak. You know, K State gets close to the end zone. That would be my. They thing punch too. it in. Yeah. So that's my answer. Okay, then I got to right. some other answer. I'm going to go with Kobe Savage on a pick six on the first possession of the season. That's I'm going that deep. A pick six could, yeah, that's tangible. You think a punt return is? I'm going pick six. So that's not going to happen. So we have zero faith in Will Howard in the offense, is what Fitz he, and I are saying. He just called him a touchdown, but it wasn't the offense no, as a whole. What I, no, that's what I said. I said yeah, Fitz sure. And I. Okay. 
I'll explain that later. Okay, heard. Last question of the first half is from Eric Schneid. Schneid. Not sure this offense needs it, but that trick play. Uh, but what trick play do you want to see Colin Klein draw up and use in a key moment this season? Also, why is the Chiefs snow globe play that the correct answer? Oh my God, the snow globe play. Is that the one where they did the miracle? That wasn't right? even a trick play, though. It was just all. It was deception, just, pre-snap yeah, deception. Yeah. It didn't really deceive anyone because they ended up in a regular. Um, I think we will see Avery Johnson on the field either as a Wildcat quarterback or maybe a receiver that they'll throw the ball out to in a lateral situation, and then he can decide to run or throw. I'm told he might be the fastest guy on the team and that they're going to have to make use of him this year. We'll see. I don't know. I'm going to go with Avery Johnson coming in, though, at, at the Wildcat. Very intriguing. I'd love to see a flea flicker. There's 50-yard line, handoff to Treshawn Ward up the middle, but oops, turns around, flings it back. Will Howard finds Phillip Brooks for a touchdown. Or Ben Sennett. Well, that's the other thing. I can see them. I, I've made the comparison of a college version of Mahomes and Kelsey. Yeah. I can see them kind of incorporating Ben Sennett into more things. For example, if you can need to sneak the ball and you don't want to put your quarterback in peril, put the big tight end under there just like the Chiefs have done. Belldozer. Yeah, I just do it. But it'll be fun because I feel like now Colin Klein is going to have to come up with some stuff. I mean, you could just give the ball to Deuce and it became stuff. Yeah, you know, the touchdown against TCU in the Big 12 Championship, that play is supposed to go right. But he just saw back against the grain and saw the space and went through it, and he was gone. He had one guy to beat at that point. That's just what he did. But now I think you're going to have to generate a little more um, stuff with play calling. It'll be fun. I'm intrigued by what Colin does. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We'll be back on the other side with more of your questions from Wabash Station. GoPowerCat.com's Powercat podcast continues after this short break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gills Gilbert. This will be your threesome action all season long. <clears throat> I, I meant the three of us will be doing this podcast. It's a golf term. Right. Cole, Cole Carmody, if you don't know, is still with us. He just has a big boy job now. He is forming young minds at Junction City High School. At least teaching them social studies. I like how you call being a teacher a big boy job because it pays more than you can pay us. 
I don't want to hear anyone complaining about the teachers' pay around me because I pay worse. I took a pay cut today at the press conference. Yeah. Fits. Yeah, you deserve all the pay cuts you can get. <clears throat> yeah. I start owing you money now. Yeah. The, you know what? Have you thought about that? You've got a really good side gig. Maybe start paying me because I'm bringing customers to your door yeah. to tip you. Yeah. If you don't know, Ryan Gilbert is a bartender at a certain Mexican-themed restaurant that doesn't doesn't sponsor this podcast and doesn't use our sponsors' services. So anyhow. It's we'll not Gordo's, by the I way. I like how you call it Mex- Mexican-themed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Mexican. It's Mexican, Mexican-themed. It's, it's uh, wrestling. Mexican wrestling-themed. <laughs> there we go. If you're at Wabash Station, you're a subscriber, make sure you check out our questions thread for this podcast every week because that's what everyone's done that has been read so far. And we've got a new set of questions in the second half. Take it away, Ryan Gilbert. From Powercat Ryan, who is the one player that K-State can least afford to lose? Will Howard. It's got to be. I mean... The, the upheaval it causes for any program that loses their starting quarterback. What happened with K-State last year was kind of miraculous. And maybe Jake Rubley or Avery Johnson or Adrian Lara would pull off that kind of miracle, but I don't see it. Part of what made that so good was Will's experience. Not only knowing the playbook, but knowing how to be prepared. Even when he wasn't expected to be the backup, he knew if something went horribly wrong, he would come in. And he was ready for it. If you look at TCU's schedule last year, when they faced starting quarterbacks, they lost, typically. You know, that's what happened to them. They Will Howard, by the championship game, was the starting quarterback. Clearly, they lost. And then, well... I think one of us could have started for Georgia and they would have lost. But they ran into a lot of backup quarterbacks last year. It was just a kind of an anomaly of the schedule. A lot of teams got quarterback injuries the week before they played TCU. So anytime you have a quarterback injury, it just changes the entire complexion and chemistry of your offense. And maybe once every five times, ten times it happens, it works out great for you, which is what happened to K-State last year. Yeah, it's definitely Will Howard this year. I I think I'd probably say it was Deuce. If we're talking about last year, because it was so unique having, you know, Adrian Martinez come in. You have Will Howard with how much experience he's built up as, you know, this is, it's crazy that this is his fourth season and he has started games every year, but he's never started a season as the starter. It's crazy. That was almost a tongue twister, but I pulled it off. Boom. Good. Um, but it's just it's impressive how much experience Will Howard has for being that first year. I'm definitely the starting quarterback guy. So he's definitely the the one you can least afford because you have nobody behind. Ooh, wow. You took out a, a page out of my book. Huh? Ooh. Job. Something in my throat. Um Will you know, there's nobody proven behind Will right now. Jake came in for a couple snaps last year. Avery Johnson, you have his high school tape. You know what he did in high school. Definitely exciting for the future of K-State football. Absolutely. But, you know, if you have to throw him into the fire like Will had to in 2020, how's he going to perform? I don't know. Will did exceptionally well early on in 2020 when he came in. Played well. 
you know, when COVID wipes out half your team and you don't have guys around you, yeah, you're going to struggle. And the fans were upset with that. But, um, you know, looking back to last year, Deuce was definitely that guy that you couldn't lose because you had two quarterbacks. But now that you only have one, you know, there's a lot of depth everywhere else that nobody's irreplaceable, so to speak. Yeah. Because you have a lot – you like Kobe Savage. You know, on the defense, Daniel Green and Kobe Savage are probably your two guys, Khalid Duke, three guys that you don't really want to lose, but – You've had all of them gone to injury before, and you've been able to play, you know, play around it or play through it, or you know, they've been able to replace guys on that defensive end, uh, you know, on the defense. So, you know, as much as I'd love to pick a defensive guy as well, they've been able to work around it when those top guys that are coming back have been injured. Apart from Howard, though, the defense certainly has less depth than offense and conventional wisdom would tell you that wide receiver, you can't lose Brooks or, you know, Garcia, any of those guys. But if, if, if Brooks loses, misses a few games, I don't think that really moves the needle. And that's with all due respect, I think that's kind of a knock on how non, how not top heavy that wide receiver group is the drop off from Brooks, to the next guy, whoever that may be at the four spot, isn't going to be, that great as it has been in years past. I'd agree. They're finally building up the depth all across the roster. So, you know, they've still got some areas of concern, but we were concerned about cornerback and Chris Kleiman talked today, Tuesday about moving a corner back to safety because they've got, they've developed so much depth at corner. So it's fun to hear about the progress they're making with the depth because that has held Kansas state football back and the improvements in the depth, I think, were the reason why they survived the season and won a Big 12 championship, and it's only going to get better if they continue that. Just so everyone knows, Zach is the one that picks these questions. Yes. So I'm going to have Zach at least give out this username. Oh, I don't read even the next one. A, a I think it's, it. I think it's Hemon Rockabilly Dancer. But there's no A or E in Dancer. There's no A or E in Dancer, and EMA is all caps. The H and the end are so. lowercase. There is an underscore in there, but we don't say underscores. Definitely new to the podcast. We've never heard that name before on this regularly scheduled program. Are they actually a belly dancer? You book them for an event. I think it's actually like a, a play on the, the bar oh. <laughs> that serves delicious sandwiches on... Well, if they're Manhattan listening, Avenue. if you're able to actually belly dance, just reach out to me and move on with the okay. question. Yeah. That person wants to know how many quarterbacks in the current room end up as a starter at K-State and how many will transfer out to get their shot elsewhere? In in the room right now? Yep. Two? End up well, starter, unless there's injuries. So there's starter and then transfer. I think at season's end, we will see two quarterbacks transfer and Will Howard go to the NFL. I think Avery Johnson will, they'll have to rebuild the room around him. It's kind of a scary thought. I know it is, but that's it's the true, reality though. of what sure, happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I believe if you look at last year and the depth chart was really Adrian Martinez and Jake Rubley second. If he's coming in for relief, like they're up by four touchdowns, we're going to put someone in, or 
Uh, Adrian got his ankle twisted. We need to retape it. You're going in. But as soon as it became something serious and someone had to finish out an important game, it was Will Howard. I sense that it's going to be the same way this year, except Will Howard is now the starter, and Avery Johnson will move into that Will Howard role. I, particularly if it's halfway through the season and he's been practicing, and boom, he's gone, separated shoulder. I think Avery Johnson goes onto the field. I just have that feeling about everything I'm hearing out of camp. That that's what's going to take place. Zach, you leaned into your mic. I did, and I <laughs> didn't know what I was going to say. I think, going back to the question, I think it's probably, hmm, I'll say three. I will say three quarterbacks will start a game for Kansas State that are in the quarterback room currently. Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen with injuries. Yeah. I mean, it's it's at least two. Will Howard is obviously going to start the first game. Avery Johnson will play quarterback when Will Howard is gone. It is definitely two. But if you look back over the last – we've done this before on the podcast. The past two decades of K-State quarterbacks, how many different seasons has one quarterback started every single game? You can count them on one hand. Mm-hmm. The, it's – just what happens at K-State. K-State quarterbacks get injured at least one or two games a year. It's just a fact of life. So at the moment, right now, especially if Avery, if it happens early and Avery's not necessarily ready, you know, I think they could absolutely put Avery in week two or week three if they absolutely needed to and felt like it. But I will go with three quarterbacks will end up as a starter at K-State. Okay. You and never want. I will say two. I'll say two transfer. Just you know, so they can they, enter the they, game. They aren't they, transfer. Yeah, they aren't. These two questions are not yeah. mutually exclusive. Avery could start thirty, forty games and play a fourth season somewhere if he really chose to, and it counts for both questions. But I'll say two, just based on just based on the math and how the transfer portal works. We're, we're opposed the to math. Percentages. That was well, a good answer. You froze up and act like you had nothing to say. Well, I did. Well, I, I, I lost my thought. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you never want to see players transfer out, but it, it, it will happen. And like you said, with Avery Fitz, if you don't see anyone transferring out, that's not a good sign for the future of what Avery Johnson can be. So if you do see those guys leave, you're feeling real dang good about what Avery's going to be at K-State. Agree. I, I mean, look, they've already got a quarterback recruit in the 24 class, right? I mean, they're, they're trying to get a quarterback every year. And yet we've seen them pop up on other quarterbacks. So that tells me they – they understand they might need to get two in that class to kind of backfill for losses. But they've done a great job of making sure everyone's in a competitive situation this year. And even on Tuesday's press conference, Chris Kleiman talked about Will Howard, talked about Jake Rubley, talked about Adrian Lara, and then got to Avery Johnson. So he's being conscious about a pecking order here the done by class, yeah. which is important. And you know, if you get a depth, when we get a depth chart next week, I expect Jake Rubley to be the number two quarterback on that depth chart. And then I bet to the number three spot is Laura or Johnson. It's 
going to be about messaging in locker room, out of locker room. But the reality will eventually have to come out. I mean, if if we see Will Howard go down, do they turn it over to Jake Rubley or Avery Johnson? I mean, that'll be all you need to know. And not just down for like a series. I mean, if he's out for a game, who do they go to? It won't be Brian Gilbert. I know that. I you sure know. about that? Yeah, I'm positive. From Chris66204, step back to the national picture and call your shot. Who makes the college football playoff? Who makes the national championship game? And who wins it all? Don't be lazy and just go with Blue Bloods. Well, that's See, I don't like fair. the last part of that question. It's, no. it's tough. <laughs> well, I think Ohio State and, and Georgia are clearly the two best teams. Sure. What I don't like is I mm. keep seeing the projections of the final four, if you want to call it that. The playoffs being Michigan, Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia. That's lazy. Well, particularly when Michigan's having some issues and their head coach is now suspended for three games. Granted, they're probably not playing anyone in those three games, but the season doesn't go as as the national journalists want it to. It never does. But I I, I don't know who breaks the barrier. It was TCU last year. Look, that what TCU did against Georgia wasn't a reflection of how good TCU is, unlike what a lot of the national media wants to say. It was just a horrendous day, and I still believe Max Duggan was concussed in the Big 12 championship and wasn't the same. He played much different football in that championship game than he did any other time in the season. I truly believe Max Duggan finished that Big 12 game with a concussion, thus why he didn't run the ball at the goal line at the end. I mean, if he could, they would have. And I don't think he was capable of running the ball. So someone's going to pop up and be competitive. Cincinnati, two years ago. Right. Right. Yeah, it just happens. I mean, maybe it's Oregon. I don't know. Maybe it's USC. USC could. I mean, he's finally recruiting. He's got the best quarterback, and he's recruiting. Screw it. I'm going to go Georgia-USC. That's what I'm going to do. Because I don't, I think Ohio State's good, but I think Georgia's just next level. And I think Georgia is absolutely blowing up the college model with the NIL or whatever they're doing. I think Georgia has a lot of distractions with what happened in their offseason with the car accident and everything with that. I don't Offensive think. Offensive coordinator's gone as well. Like, I don't think Georgia has their house in order right now. I I would stay far far away from picking Georgia as a national champion or a college football playoff participant or a New Year's Six participant or an SEC championship game participant. If I had to pick the SEC championship game, I'd go Alabama Tennessee. I'm not picking Georgia this year. There's so much more that goes into it than just your talent and athleticism. There's a lot of coaching, a lot of stuff off the field that affects that stuff. So I, I agree. Mean, there I, are a lot of distractions in yeah, Athens sure. right now. One of the best things for college football could be a, I'll just say Kansas State, whoever the Big 12 champion is against USC. But the problem with that means they have to occupy two of the four spots, and I don't think the committee will let that happen. I think they will make sure two SEC or two Big Ten teams are in that playoff, if not both. If not you know, the four teams are from those two conferences. You got to run the table. If you're not in the SEC, you have to run the table. Right. You cannot lose a game anywhere on your schedule. 
if you want to guarantee yourself a spot in. She did it again. See, this is the good thing about oh where I God. sit here in the studio. <laughs> I'm about, what, six feet away from you, Fitz? Don't blow it towards me. My nose still... Yeah, I still don't smell anything. My nose still isn't great from COVID two and a half years ago. I'll just admit that. I don't smell like I used to, so I'm not reacting to it. Is it the same smell as the other one? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're blessed. You're absolutely blessed. It's coming. I'm, oh, yeah. It's not good. It smells like a burp. It smells like I need to take her to the vet because there's a demon inside of her. Hmm. <laughs> What were we talking about? Talking about blue Georgia. bloods and Georgia. I'm not. I'm staying far, far away from Georgia. I, I just saw another tweet about this national sports writer uh, masturbation league. I mean, I'm so sorry, Premier League, because it just seems like schoolboys with porn. They're so excited about a Premier League with these two freaking conferences. Make it stop. We don't want that. It's not going to happen. You can't exclude 80% of the country from your little club and expect us to watch those games. Just stop with it. I, The Big 12 absolutely needs to consistently earn a spot in that playoff. Did, did it get over there? Right? Okay. And, you know, even if Stuart Mandel has this strange, creepy fantasy about having two leagues to cover, only teams he wants to, you can't pick a Premier League based on Rutgers being in the right conference. That's just not how it works. The idea of Rutgers, Northwestern, and Vanderbilt being in an exclusive national championship level Premier League is absurd. You can only do Premier League if there's promotion and relegation. Right. And that's never going to happen with college athletics. How do you plan for that? You can't plan budgets. You can't plan schedules. That's not how academic institutions work. This It's all idiotic. Shut up with this stuff. It's not going to happen. And if it does, it'll be a colossal failure that might forever ruin college athletics. Stop. Okay, I got that rant out. You're no fun. <laughs> Oh, my God. My dog's trying to kill me. Do we have any more questions? One more. Okay, one more. let's do it. Be right. We didn't pick a national champion. We've been so distracted. Georgia. Alabama. Ohio State. There we go. Okay. We all picked blue bloods. Sorry. That's just how the way, life it, that's the way the game is right now. Last question is from Math Cat. Hopefully we can get this, get through this one without another fart from Daphne. Oh, God. Where is it, dude? No. He's not in dude, here. Dude's out. I don't even know where he's at. Okay. Okay. Fricker's probably doing something bad. Yeah. With the apparent bias of the national media towards the SEC and Big Ten. There we go. Perfect. Is that a thing, Fitz? I don't know if you ever talked about that. I don't know. How difficult will it be for Big 12 teams to be ranked in the top 10 after Texas and Oklahoma leave if they consider the Big 12 teams, quote unquote, mediocre since there are no blue bloods? Will they favor a 10 and 2 team from the Big Ten or SEC? Over an eleven and one, or even a twelve and zero team from the Big Twelve. It's my fear. Uh, it's my fear. I, I don't know how they're going to set up the playoff committee when they go to twelve. I don't know how they're going to set up the selection process when they go to twelve. But this cannot be. And keep in mind, right? This is the last year of the four teams. 
Next year, they're going to have 12, which is a huge opportunity for the Big 12. But if it ends up one from the Big 12, one from the ACC, and one from whatever is the best of the rest of the conferences, and then nine spots for the Big 10 and, and SEC, ain't going to fly. America ain't going to put up with it. You can't exclude most of the nation and expect us to care. This is not the NFL. This just isn't. I don't know what you people are thinking that you can boil this down to two conferences and the entire nation will watch it. You got to have skin in the game. And it's not so true right now. I think FCS fans probably watch major college football, but they're really focused on their teams. It just isn't a huge grouping of fans. You start excluding almost everyone west of the Mississippi. I mean, there'll be the Pac-12 schools that snuck in, and there'll be the ones from the Big 12 that moved to the SEC. But that's going to be a handful of schools. If you do that, if there's like, what, seven schools west of the Mississippi that count, the college football's done. It's just done. Buddy texted me, I think Brett Yormark should get together with everyone else and form a division. Just form another division and say, you guys, you keep talking about it, go do it. Good luck. Call their bluff. We're not going to play in your league if you're going to just buy players constantly and you think you own everything. I don't know if I agree with that, but it's an interesting idea. See, I think if you're going to talk about top 10 and voting, I don't see why voters who are in Big 12 country or ACC country or Pac-12 country continue to vote SEC and Big 10 schools like the rest of the country does. It's it's the whole sports writer. I just I don't get if they're showing bias, counteract their bias with your own bias. Make a point. It doesn't matter that your name is on it and people are going to be mad in your Twitter mentions. That was going to happen anyway. Just vote for the – put K-State second. If you're in the coaches poll, the SID poll, put your team second if you're a Big 12 school because it's not going to show up as a first-place vote. Nobody's going to think about it in the polls, and you're going to get a bunch of points. Put Alabama last. Don't vote for them. And if someone calls calls you out and said, I just voted like the SEC people do. That everything for my conference is better than your conference. Let's be honest. SEC is the best football conference because the top of the conference is clearly the best for reasons that I don't think anyone else can match, including the Big Ten. The recruiting base, the amount of money, and now the exposure from the networks, I don't think you can match it. But that doesn't mean I think Mississippi State and who else? Vanderbilt. No, nah, Vanderbilt's an easy one to pick. Missouri, certainly. Um, Arkansas. Florida, Arkansas. I think they are Big 12-level teams. If you put Arkansas in the Big 12, they might be the best team in the Big 12, but I bet not. They just can't compete like the rest of the nation with the top teams. What I do find interesting, though, is when you get into the SEC, some of these teams that – strike me as very similar to the rest of the country, do compete. Missouri almost beat Georgia last year. That's why you have a 12-team playoff. You make them repeat the ability to beat everyone. And it adds a little more chaos. I think it would be great for the game if they allow anyone 
to challenge. If they're just loading it up with Big Ten and SEC teams in that playoff, it becomes the perpetual self-fulfilling prophecy of conference excellence. And the rest of the country needs to fight it. I guess nobody else is speaking. That means that the podcast is over. I just finished the podcast. That's amazing. We appreciate you listening to the Powercat Questions podcast. Zach's going to go golf. Alexa, what's the temperature outside right now? Right now, it's 102 degrees Fahrenheit. It's only, That's not right. It's only 102. That's not right. Zach's going to be fine it's at Evening City League. It's going to be great. Uh, I will announce on next week's podcast. Um, it's going to be 104 here in 30 yeah. minutes. Next week on the podcast, I'll, I'll have the arrangements I'll put together for Zach. In case he doesn't make it through the night. That's it. Gills is going to be in his car, which also doesn't have AC. <laughs> Losers. Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. It's the UEFA Champions League on Paramount+. Plus. Europe's top club soccer tournament. Champions versus champions. The best teams facing off in the knockout rounds. Magnificent! And it all takes place. While you're filling out financial reports at work. In the middle of your day. In the middle of your week. So use that second screen. Call in sick. Do whatever you gotta do to tune in Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Nobody watches the UEFA Champions League like us. Stream every match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.